0: Well, hello everyone, and welcome to our first episode of the Freaking Geeks podcast. I'm Michael, and with me is Sarah.
1: Hello, Freaking Geeks.
0: So, this is uh, (laughs) this is pretty cool. Uh, This is our, I guess, our flagship podcast for the Freaking Geeks uh, Network podcast network. And um, are you excited about this?
1: Very. Like, I wasn't expecting to like be this hyped for this, but. I'm really excited to like get to talk once a week about everything nerdy going on in like my, in our lives every single week.
0: (laughs) Right. What's a little different, you know, because we have podcasts that are centered around a specific show, right? So week to week we do the next episode in the, in the show or whether it's a series that's ongoing or it's a series that's already finished, whether it's been canceled or it just ended on its own terms. We're doing that, and that's great. You know, I like doing that because we really get to dive in week to week on the minutiae of both the episode that we're covering and the series as a whole. However, the downside with that is that we don't have the ability to really cover different things every week, you know, like as in different movies, different video games, things that we enjoy. Just the
1: tangents we go off on.
0: (laughs) Right, right. And that's kind of what led, in a way to doing this podcast because it gave us a chance to have a platform every week to really talk about something that we want to talk about that doesn't require us to watch the TV show, you know, week to week and and do it that way. Right. Right. So, so for now with this, what we're going to be doing is from week to week, we'll be covering uh, movies. Uh, TV shows that we like, but you know, if we like, we cover a TV show, we're going to do a review of a either the first a, a season as a whole, right, or the entire series as a whole. We won't have to get down, dig down deep into, you know, episode to episode. So that's really kind of fun because it allows us to cover a lot of different things. So we can cover a lot of movies over the course of a year, right?
1: Yeah, we can talk about anything like gaming our books we're into right now like it's just wide open and we're just kind of really all our interests are kind of geeky so you know we thought why not just create a podcast and talk about it
0: all right so hence freaking geeks so exactly right so uh freaking geeks podcast you know this is something that we've wanted to do for a while but also of course it's our umbrella network freaking geeks Right. So yes. everything under our label is freaking geeks related in a way. So, for instance, we have American Gods podcast. We have the Friday Night Mike's podcast. Right. We have the Hannibal podcast.
1: Yes, Hungry right. for Hannibal, which has started this all.
0: <laughs> right. So, that was the first podcast that I started a few years ago. Yep. And that has since led into Friday Night Mike's, it's led into American Gods. And now, of course, it's led into the Freaking Geeks podcast.
1: Yeah, I annoyed him so much on Hungry for Hannibal that he just made me a co-host.
0: Oh, God. It was, it was such a disaster. What was I thinking? <laughs> uh, right can we now, go back? I'm just a
1: thorn can, in your side forever.
0: Can we do a redo? <laughs> is, there, go is back there, a, Does someone have a time travel machine? Can I just go back and, You're like... You're just so
1: excited to do that.
0: To, like, can we do that? Can we go back and that that moment where the inspirational idea popped into my head to ask <laughs> sarah if she would like to be my co-host can we get a, and just go into my head and kill it
1: and... ouch that hurt. like instead I'm of sorry. doing that i'm just gonna <laughs> I'll go As i go in a chocolate I, bar and i'll feel better
0: <laughs> right right I, I sense i sense ice cream after this episode it's, it's gonna be coming
1: just a gallon
0: <laughs> Just a gallon, uh, yeah. Oh, no, no, seriously. <laughs> no, this has been this has been great. No, she's she's fantastic, uh, my co-host, and she keeps me in check as much as anyone can. So yeah,
1: especially on uh, Friday night mics, like the difference between you know football America world is just so different from like Canada land, which is where I'm from, and you know the dynamics just wonderful on that one. <laughs>
0: Right, because she's a complete novice at football, and I I'm not. <laughs> I know it pretty well. And with the TV show that's centered around football and life in small town America, Texas being about as far south as you're gonna get when it comes to America, um, well at least the United States. It's interesting. It's different, and but it's you know you like it, right? Because it it's a different. It, it's America, right? So it's different. It's football, that's different, and. I mean, I guess you would, get, could you say that the depiction of small town Southern America is quite a bit different from what you experience up in Canada?
1: Oh, yeah, big time. Right. Right. But, you know, it's really fun to watch and just, you know, see a different point of view. It's so incredibly different.
0: Right. So anyway, um, doing all this is has really been great, right? Doing all these podcasts every week and... uh gives us a chance to really delve into some things we're really passionate about. But like we said, with this podcast, we're changing things up, right? So this week, being our first episode, we talked about what we wanted to do. Now, it's October, right? So we have Halloween coming up. And we thought, why not for the first few episodes leading up to Halloween, why don't we cover some movies that are great for the month of October, (laughs) okay so
1: the horror genre
0: right so for this week we decided that we're going to cover 1992's bram stoker's dracula
1: yeah very classic iconic just kind of paved the way for all kinds of you know really really dark creepy stuff to come afterwards and it's a wonderful adaptation from the book a bit different from the book um Michael's read it. I haven't. So he'll be able to compare and contrast. And I'll be able to ask, like, uh, did this actually happen? Because this seems really out there.
0: Right. Well, here's the thing. Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay. Uh, the movie, it came out in 1992. It was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who, uh-huh. of course, directed The Godfather, Godfather yep. Part Two, and The Godfather Part Three uh when this came out his company was in dire straits and oh
1: so he's on the down low going right,
0: down right right um in fact this this movie really saved his company for for i believe a wh- quite a while uh, it financially pulled everything out of the cellar for him okay and um it, it, it was a stroke of luck in a way, and he wasn't even looking to do this initially. It was something that Winona Ryder brought to him because she – yeah, she had pulled out of his last – a movie she was supposed to be in. She had pulled out at the last second, and he was not pleased about it. It was actually The Godfather Part 3. It was the – I believe it was the role in which his daughter, Sofia Coppola, ended up uh, – having in that movie, and Winner and Ryder was supposed to play it and pulled out, and that did not sit well with uh, Francis, of course, and uh, to repair this relationship, she had met him for lunch, and on the way out, casually mentioned about, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and that she had secured the rights for the movie, and she kind of tossed it out there, and he was interested. And really, the, the rest is history. Uh, they they had some, some more meetings, and he officially decided to direct it. And uh, really, that's kind of how it all began.
1: Oh, I just got to love Winona Ryder. <laughs> I can see you just not wanting to get whacked with cannoli and being like, here, I secured these rights. Please don't get, have me off.
0: <laughs> right. Well, you know, I can, I can see his point of view. You know, this was, a it, Godfather Part 3 was this huge movie. Yeah. And, no, it doesn't live up to the first two, right? It's obviously by far the, the weakest link in the entire Godfather trilogy. There's there's no denying that. Um, however, it when it came out, when it was released, it was really, really uh, hyped. People were looking forward to that movie uh, a lot because, you know, the first two Godfathers are among the best movies of all time, hands down, right? So... You know, to have this third one come out, and everyone's thinking this is going to be, you know, the capper, this is going to cement the Godfather trilogy as the greatest trilogy of all time, bar none, nothing can ever top it, it came out, it was okay, you know, it was all right, but it wasn't great, right? So this, her not being in it, I think, was something that he probably felt contributed maybe a little bit to the movie not being as good as it could have been, but there were other problems. There were script problems and, and things like that. So it really wasn't her fault, but I'm sure that didn't help things. And and this was a way for her to kind of smooth things over because they had a, a good working relationship. And, you know, to pull out of a big movie like that is it, something that she, he probably felt was just not the right thing to do. And it happens all the time in Hollywood. People pull out of movies and projects left and right. Um, but maybe back then... It, Maybe it wasn't quite so. Uh, yeah, right. So anyway, this movie, Bram Stoker's Dracula, has a really star-studded cast. All right, so Winona Ryder really, is, yeah, she really assembled what she felt was the dream cast for her. Okay, so you had Francis as director, and then on top of that, you had Gary Oldman. All right, so you had him legend. as legend. <laughs> right, so this was still relatively early in his career too all right because he hadn't been acting that long at the time now he was well regarded by the time this movie came out but he's not it's not like we the gary oldman we know today as essentially a living legend as an actor isn't how he was necessarily perceived at the time he was respected but you know we're talking today we're talking another like 25 years or so have gone by since this movie's come out that has added on to his legacy as such a great actor. Um, Yeah.
1: So, I mean, like, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula was probably the first role that we kind of remember him in that was the big one. And then afterwards, you know, came, like, The Fifth Element and Mortal Beloved and all those iconic ones, Lost in Space, you remember him in, and on and on and on, the legendary stuff that made him, you know, who he is now.
0: Right. I mean, he was in JFK uh before this movie came out. Um he was actually lauded for for his role there and then he did. He was in The Professional uh with uh Natalie Portman. That was her debut movie. Right, uh right. so that was really good. And and so yeah, he's added on. He's he's kind of a quirky actor. He does all kinds of different roles. And, yeah, he's just a great actor. So, anyway, so we have Gary Oldman, right? We have Winona Ryder, of course. We also have Anthony Hopkins, Keanu Reeves. Uh, it's just on and on. You know, Carrie Ells was in this Tom movie. Tom
1: Waits, though. I didn't know that was Tom Waits until I was just, like, researching this the other day, looking at the cast. and like, Tom Waits, like the music Tom Waits? And sure enough, that's the Tom Waits. I couldn't believe that.
0: Right. Well, it kind of reminds me of Friday Night Lights, the movie. If you go back and you watch that, uh, some people that don't really... I'm not a huge country music fan or anything, right? But I, I know who Tim McGraw is. I've seen him I know pictures and stuff. And so the first time I watched Friday Night Lights, I was like, wow, is that Tim McGraw? Like, What the, what the hell? And... He does a great job in that movie. If you go back, if you anyone ever watches that movie, you'll look it up, look him, the picture up. If you don't know who Tim McGraw is, watch that movie. You'll know the role he plays, and he does a phenomenal job. Uh, he's really, really good in that movie. So sometimes you get these, you know, singers and stuff. For whatever reason, they just maybe have a natural gift for acting they didn't know they had, and they, they come on to a movie, and they just, you know...
1: Do a really a good park. job. They
0: knock it out of the park. They do. They do a great job. You know, all, all, considering that they they're not professional actors, this isn't their their job, job. day in and day out, right? So uh, sometimes you get a a little gem there every once in a while.
1: Yeah, and um, oh, the guy from The Princess Bride, uh, who
0: Carrie, West... Ca- Carrie Els. Yeah. Oh my god! Like yes, I Elves. didn't
1: remember yeah. he was in this. I'm like, oh my god! I know who that is. And it right. was kind of like. There's so many actors I know now and didn't know when I watched this way back in the day. and It's a nice surprise.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, Billy Campbell's in it. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of people in this movie, and they're really good in this movie, too. This The acting in this movie in general is good. Now, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Keanu Reeves later. <laughs> um, he is... It's universally regarded as a very poor performance uh, by pretty much everybody that watches this movie. But we'll get to that and we'll talk more about the the acting and some of that uh, down the road here in this review. Um, but let's talk a little bit about what stands out about this movie before we get into kind of running through the plot points in chronological order, and we kind of give everyone a rundown as to how this movie plays out. And, you know, as we do this, as we run through uh, this recap of the movie, you know, we're going to kind of toss out our thoughts and our feelings about the movie as we go along. So we're going to be mixing in, you know, things that we enjoyed as we're kind of running through, you know, s- scene by scene what what happens here. So, um, So let's start with the opening scene of this movie, right? I really like the opening scene because it was supposed to be done with puppets. What? Yeah. The opening scene where everything's, you know, got the shadow, everything's uh, got the the sun in the background and there's the big war and everyone's fighting. It was actually supposed to be done with puppets and they realized that they really couldn't do that. It looked dumb. It didn't it didn't yeah. work that, out very well. And uh, so they couldn't do that and they had to film it the way they did. And, and ultimately, I think that was the right choice. but they wanted to use, you know puppetry to kind of do the opening scene and it didn't work out. But I think it was for the best. And I liked the look of that. I thought it was really cool and very really well done. And not just that, you know, the battle scene, but I liked this whole, you know, you know what it, it's like uh, you know 1462. Right, you have Vlad, the Impaler. Even though in the book he's not, you know, he's not recognized as, as Vlad the Impaler in in the book, but for the movie they they do make that distinction. Okay, so you have the opening scene. Right, he's being called to battle. He does his duty. Right, he's part um of uh, the dragons, and he goes out to fight. He fights the Turks. And while he's gone, Elizabetha uh, learns of well, supposedly learns that he has died. She has been informed mistakenly that he has fallen in battle. She is obviously broken up about this, and she throws herself off the tower. And if you look at that shot, you know it's obviously they threw a doll, you know, like a mannequin, down on that shot above. It's a nice shot, but it's like a, a mannequin that they throw down, and it kind of falls to the ground. Um, And then, of course, he comes back. He learns, right, that she is dead. He comes back and he's broken up. He is so angry. And he just – the because the, he's angry because her soul is doomed now. Okay. By what? Because know, taking right.
1: your own life is essentially you know, in Christianity that's punishable by going to hell. Right.
0: Right. Right, right. And he is so he is so angry about this because he doesn't feel that it's fair. Right. So then he lashes out there there's the, the monks, the one well, not the monks, the um the holy men there with him. One played by Anthony Hopkins, by the way. Yes.
1: I only noticed that this round going, I'm like, oh shit, that's Anthony Hopkins.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And uh so Vlad ends up taking his sword and just stabbing it. Stabbing right? the altar. Right. And it bleeds. And he essentially uh, denounces uh, Christianity and embraces uh, the darkness, the uh, Satan, and eventually rises as, essentially, Count Dracula, mm-hmm. as we know him. You know, Legendary Dracula. badass. Right. <laughs> and... Uh, That's it. I mean, that's really the opening scene, but I like it. It, it, it does a good job of setting up the movie. It does a good job of kind of encapsulating the tragedy of Vlad in that this was a noble guy who took his role seriously, right? He fought, he, he fought for the good side. He, he fought for everything that he believed in for his faith, all of that, and he comes back to find that his wife has died by mistake, and that her soul is is done. It is uh, essentially based on Christianity, right? It is done. It is going to you know down to hell. He he can't abide by that, and so denouncing it, he then kind of transforms into you know what we know to be Dracula, and it's it's really you know vampires are. there there are these creatures that i think best if you look at interview with a vampire right interview with a vampire looks at vampires is this very lonely existence right because they live forever and everything that they care about eventually dies away if it's not also a vampire they have a very you know they, they don't sleep right well i guess they do the coffins and everything but you know, their lives are just this ongoing thing that never ends. And it's just, it's, it's just terrible. You live for five, 600 years. I mean, you almost would, I think at some point, I would just almost want someone to kill me. I would want to die, yeah. you know? And so we jump forward now and it's just hundreds of years later, it's 1897.
1: Right. Yeah. I do want to mention though, that, um, the armor is incredible. The, whoever the costume designer was, she did an incredible job on everything she created. Like that suit of armor just looked like muscle tissue and it just had this great effect, very creepy and suited the scene just perfectly loved it.
0: Yeah. If I remember correctly, I believe the production designer was also the creator of the costumes and she had, I want to say she had never done that before.
1: Yeah. It was like, um, a uh, Coppola had was seen her her sketching and took a look at her sketches and then took her on as the costume designer.
0: Which is a very spur of the moment thing. That's not that's not something you often do on a lark. Right? That that's not something that people generally do, especially on a big budget film like this, they go, Oh, I really like your, your sketches. Uh do you wanna you wanna do the costumes as well? And having never done it before, that's a lot to take on. Now she won the uh, she won the Oscar for that. She won Academy, she? Yeah, she won Academy Award for uh, Best Costume Design.
1: Well, she deserved it. Right. They were incredible.
0: Right. So, now this, I believe, is is a production designer's dream, this movie, by the way. Oh, yeah. The, the, the sets, everything, the costumes, the sets, everything was just amazing in this movie. I, I will say this. I mean, I have criticisms for this movie. It's not perfect. Uh, but that being said, even, by, even today is... As many years have gone by since this came out. So it was 1992. It is now 2016. So we're talking almost 25 years. (laughs)
1: Oh, my (laughs) gosh. And despite
0: the fact that almost 25 years have gone by, I will say this movie stands up pretty darn well.
1: It really does. Like, yeah, some scenes are, you know, a little weird by today's standards. Some things are way too out there. But this movie still holds up. The story The costuming, the filming, the special effects, they all still stand pretty well on their own.
0: Right. And one of the things I want to mention right off the bat, since this is very early into the review, all the effects in this movie were done in camera, with the exception of the blue flames. Uh, the scene uh, shortly where uh, Jonathan goes off to visit Count Dracula and he kind of drives through these these blue flames that kind of lift up and go into the sky. And I believe that, that even that shot, even that the blue flames weren't done digitally, I don't believe. I think they were done in a different manner, but they weren't done, I believe, digitally, I think. That's but crazy. I, but when you think about all the effects in this film, here's the thing. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola was very adamant about not wanting to use special effects, as in uh, using computer imagery in order to create all the things. And in fact, he was told by the, at the time, the effects team, that all the things he wanted to do were impossible without using computers. He fired them, I believe he fired them, replaced them with his son. And his son went about figuring out how to get this to work right, all, all these effects and doing everything in a very hands-on approach, and they, they achieved it. They did a great job. They used a lot of old-school uh, smoke-and-mirrors techniques that, that were you know have been utilized in film for, like, 70 years. And they able, they were able to take all that and do all these effects. It's really an amazing accomplishment, considering this is 1992. And I know the special effects have come a long way since 1992. I mean, we can do practically anything now, and it's to the point yeah. where everything is almost photorealistic It's so beautiful. But 1992, things were still developing, and even though things like Terminator 2 and a few other movies really showcased how far you could go, this movie holds up as well as it does because you don't have dated special effects sitting there.
1: Yeah, exactly. It has the feeling of you know, being a period piece and it's sticking to that. Like you don't have to have, you know, anything flashy or cheesy. It's still just because it was filmed like in that day and they kept to it. It came up perfect.
0: Right. Uh, So a couple of things here before we go on Uh, two things. One at the first meeting between the cast, after it had been signed on for the movie, the cast met, they, they uh, actually sat, I believe, for three days, reading aloud the book, the Bram Stoker's Dracula book. They read the entire book aloud to each other in a room. It took them three days to do it.
1: I don't doubt I don't know, t- No,
0: <laughs> two. I'm sorry, two days to do it, but still, two whole days. It wasn't like, hey, we're gonna do this for a few hours and then go home. I mean, they spent like over probably over a dozen hours reading this book allowed to each other line by line and it took them two days to do it because he wanted them to really understand what this was coming from the source material.
1: Yeah. And like the, what the characters, you know, what they're all about, what they've gone through and, you know, the situations they're in, in the time period, what, you know, cause modesty was very much different back then.
0: <laughs> uh, Yeah. Right, and I think it was probably a good idea to get everyone to the same place of understanding before you then kind of dove into the film uh, character by character. Another thing which is really interesting that I'd read was that uh, Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder hated each other during filming. Really? And the weird thing is well, before they got into filming, when they were doing rehearsals and everything – they got along great, but then there was a break where everyone kinda of went away for a you know, short period of time, you know, I don't know, a week or two, you know, and when they came back, it was entirely different and nobody knows then or today exactly what happened there. And they haven't they haven't said what happened. So maybe
1: the smallest of quickest relationships that didn't end well.
0: I mean it's possible. I think you know, I believe she was still dating Johnny Depp at the time, although I, I can't say it for sure. Oh, uh, so
1: long ago. <laughs>
0: right. Um, but who knows? I mean, it could have been something romantic. It could have been something non-romantic. It could have been uh, an argument over something in the movie or, you know, who knows? There are a billion things that could have happened, big and small, that could have resulted in, you know, this relationship souring so quickly. So, yeah, so that was just an interesting thing because I, I didn't see that coming.
1: No, like, I guess hating each other worked for them. It created great chemistry.
0: Right. So I guess, it, yeah, it did, it did what they needed it to do, or at least it didn't affect their ability to showcase that in the film.
1: Yeah, that's pretty amazing.
0: Right. Okay, so we have the opening scene. That's done. So then we jump forward to 1897, right? So it's it's getting to the point in time where technology is changing right? Everything is moving forward. Things are shifting in society, right? We're starting to see the beginning of the technological boom happening. And uh, I think that's the backdrop that they chose partially because I think that that's something that really stands out about this era is that technology was really changing things and how people lived and Yes, today we look at technology and what it can do for us, and it's, it's a massive leap from what was going on in, at this time period. Can't live but, without it. <laughs> but if you look at where things had been, you know, t- even 10 years earlier, 15 years earlier, it was a big difference, big change, technology was uh, And they make some allusions to this in the movie where there's uh, a technology a technology fair, uh, that there's you know Winona Ryder and uh, Dracula go to and they see some things there which are just amazing to see, just difference. You can see where things are headed in the future, right? So yeah,
1: it's wonderful. The trains yeah. and you're just starting to see like the next step and um, yeah, they've got it's really wonderful. Like the time period they transported us to, like you really feel like. It's way back then. Like I don't, I don't remember seeing any um, flaws or anything.
0: Right. So, so we have it's eighteen ninety seven, right? And we get introduced to Jonathan uh, Harker, and it's played by uh, Kenner Reeves. <laughs> and it turns out that he's been given the account for Count Dracula. Right. Lucky him. <laughs> right. So, it appears that his predecessor is unable to continue to deal with the account and he's not really being told the whole story he senses i think that he isn't being told the whole story but he's not gonna you know bring that up Uh, this is obviously a huge deal if he can do what he needs to do to close this on on count dracula the the deal and help count dracula take care of his uh, land acquisitions it's going to essentially set him up for life in this company
1: yeah and he of course wants that to you know he feels he's not good enough for Mina as it is so getting a promotion in this company would you know make him feel much more comfortable about taking her as his bride
0: right so he agrees to do it of course and he tells Mina about it so this is our first chance to see these two together um, you know they're very early, feels very early stages love like romance between you know two people uh we don't know how long they've been dating or courting or uh, whatever you want to call it and uh, I, I i got the sense that they hadn't been dating that long but then again back then that was common it was common i think to see each other a very short period of time and then propose marriage
1: yeah like look at lucy i mean you know she meets these guys and within days maybe a couple of weeks there's proposal <laughs>
0: Right. And that was the period of time that they were in and that was fine. Yeah, that yeah. worked.
1: Was worked back in the day.
0: Right. So he tells Mina what he needs to do. He needs to go away. And he does just that. He gets on <laughs> he gets on this uh this train. Right. So he does the train thing. Uh then he gets on to a uh um I guess was it a stagecoach or whatever? Yeah. Uh um
1: Gypsy stagecoach.
0: Right. And uh, Gary Oldman actually plays the the person on the stagecoach, right? It has like these – Does co- he really? These, he plays like these – Right. He has these claws or whatever for hands. Like you could tell. It's, That's it's, it's, awesome. <laughs> and uh, so he, he played – uncredited, by the way, but he played that uh, for the movie.
1: That's awesome because I – loved that scene like even if it was just that small moment where these like long claws are like reaching out towards his shoulder it was so creepy and effective that like i wrote down like you know again costuming like this is just perfect and the giant uh eagle's head on this carriage guy like oh my god it's so elaborate but wonderful and sets the tone for what he's going into
0: right so Jonathan travels to the castle in Transylvania. Obviously, this is where Count Dracula lives. And he's going to help Dracula purchase the Carfax Abbey in London. And it's not just the Carfax Abbey that he's helping him purchase. Apparently, uh, Count Dracula has been uh, buying up different houses across London, different real estate properties. right? In specific locations. In specific locations. Um, Okay, so we talked a little bit about this before we started recording the podcast, but uh, one of my criticisms in in this movie is that there are some things that we just don't get answers for, and this is one of them. We never find out in this movie why he's buying these different uh, purchases all throughout London, different properties. Uh, There's no purpose for it. In the book, there's a purpose. There's a reason why he is doing this but in the movie there is no reason right because in the movie well in the movie the only one that that makes any sense the only one that that actually ends up meaning anything is of course the carfax abbey that's it
1: the only reason like i i just assumed watching this is that he had those different locations so as he was going about london if you know he got into trouble of some kind or he was being, you know, chased, he could go into one of his homes and go into, you know, the earth of his homeland and just hide and, you know, gain his strength.
0: Right, right. But here's the thing. I never got a sense that Dracula really even wanted to go anywhere beyond his castle, right? I, I never got a sense that he even cared to go anywhere other than stay where he's at because, okay, look, Mina is kind of the catalyst for him, I think, to even even go to London. But Mm -hmm. before that, like, because one of the things is when he goes to London later in the film, it's kind of a big deal. And he's being confronted with society, which is changing, right? Things are changing. Things are moving on. I almost got the sense in this movie, and maybe I'm wrong, but I got the sense that he hasn't been out in society in a very long time.
1: If at all.
0: Right. Like, so, really. So, you know, to have all these purchases property-wise, either he was maybe, maybe he was planning at some point anyway to to doing this, reintroducing himself into society, even if it's just to be able to feed on, on victims. But... I just I never got that sense. I feel like he's been in his his castle for a very long time, and and really Mina is the the reason why he even goes to London in the first place. Because of course once he sees her picture, everything changes. But yeah. before that happens, I I maybe I missed it. Maybe there's a line that explains it, but I don't think so. I just I got the sense that that was in the book, and so it was in the movie, but they never really supplied a real motive for him doing all this. It just felt like, well, it was in the book. So we got to put it in the movie. Well, why? I don't know. You know, it's just there like whatever they could have just thrown in one or two lines and they would have, they would have answered it and it would have been fine.
1: Yeah, exactly. It kind of leaves us like wondering what that was in the first place, but we just kind of forget about it and never gets answered.
0: Right. Right. So he gets there. He meets Count Dracula. Uh, by the way, Gary Oldman is fantastic. Uh, oh, he's got so these crazy. like he's got these giant Leia buns.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like these.
0: I don't even know what they like like cinnamon buns on his head. I mean it. But the gray. But it's like these giant buns, and he has like this long red kimono. You know. He's
1: so theatrical.
0: It is, and that's one of the things about this movie. If you're going to talk about. Aspects of this movie that really are the selling points—it's the visuals, and in a way, it's a lot of the over-the-top aspect of this movie. I mean, this is really a very over-the-top movie. They kind of go for broke here in this movie. Uh, it's a very fast-paced movie uh, in general. There, well, I'll get into that later. Um, I guess I wouldn't say fast-paced right off the bat, but um, there's a very M- MTV-style cutting quality to this. Almost like a music video, uh, the way they kind of do a lot of quick cuts, and it's just the editing is different than I think in previous decades. Uh, things have changed, uh, which is a little surprising considering that Francis Ford Coppola is more of an old old school filmmaker. But I felt like in this movie, they they went with a he went with a different cutting style.
1: Yeah, like there are some scenes where it's really just you, know, you shift from one scene to another, and you don't really understand right away what's happening until the scene kind of plays out and it's like oh okay we're doing this now
0: right so he gets there and he finds out that he's going to be staying longer than expected you know he's going to get introduced (laughs) and and he thinks he's going to be there for like a week maybe and and then he finds out he's going to be staying for months
1: yeah and dracula goes from like chill to crazy in like two seconds while he's sitting at dinner (laughs)
0: Right. Um, because Jonathan doesn't understand what he's dealing with. He kind of makes a comment, and then all of a sudden Dracula is just on his feet, kind of just screaming like he's insulted. Pointing
1: a sword at him.
0: <laughs> right. Pulls a sword out. I think I think that would be the first indication that I'm out of here. <laughs> because this isn't
1: worth it. She'll love me anyway. I'm going home.
0: <laughs> right. So, uh, so that he's been informed he's going to be staying longer than he planned. Uh, it doesn't really make him happy, but He's got to do this, right? This is what the firm is telling him. This is what he needs to do in order to to be worthy of of Mina and so he, he's kind of just sticking it out because he feels like he feels like he needs to do it.
1: Yeah, he's like if I can just get through this, it'll be enough to prove myself and everything will be fine.
0: <laughs> right. So then Dracula sees a picture of Nina and that's when everything changes. He sees this picture and immediately you can tell the first thing he thinks of is his wife, his his dead wife, Uh, Elisabetta. uh Am I saying that right? Is it Elizabeth? I think Elis- so. Is Elizabetha? Elis- yeah. Um So he sees her; it's obvious, and he make makes a comment to Jonathan, and Jonathan says, "Oh yes, I'm, we're engaged to be married." Da da da. And but you can tell on Dracula's face uh, that is probably not what he wants to have happen so
1: (laughs) nope i want to kill you and take your bread
0: (laughs) right so then we have we have nina who's you know in the next scene he she's pining for jonathan he's he's been he's away and she's (laughs) you know not happy about it meanwhile lucy is our first introduction to lucy she kind of shows up and they're looking at i believe like kama sutra yeah the, kama sutra, the arabian that, nights right different sex positions and you know so this showcases i believe the the difference in their personalities right so for mina this is like risque. i think risque kind of disgusting but i think also kind of very alluring for her um be, because it's you know taboo i think whereas lucy's like yeah whatever i just did this like last night or something you know like it's <laughs> in
1: my dreams <laughs>
0: right so so cute and yeah so it's just um you can see the difference in their personalities right they're very much polar opposites i think
1: yeah mina's an introvert where uh lucy is a huge extrovert she'll talk to anybody anything will come out of her mouth and she has no apologies for it whatsoever
0: (laughs) right so all right so then we have dracula shaving jonathan
1: oh my god this scene i'm just like so on edge watching this so, when he licks that blade too like oh gross
0: so a little tidbit of uh, info for that scene uh when you know he's licking the blade and everything really this whole scene but specifically when it came to licking this blade gary oldman was drunk <laughs> when he did <laughs> he this he kind of licked it <laughs> right um it was really, really late. I mean, well after midnight. Well after midnight. We're probably talking like two, three, four in the morning. They're filming this scene, and so he he was drunk when they filmed it. And so, I found that really interesting. But it
1: kind of works, you know. Drunk kind of plays into the, like the blood crazy.
0: Right, right. So, um, so he's shaving Jonathan's neck. Yes, of course. There's that nick. So he licks the blood <laughs> off the blade and. Yeah, so he goes back to to shaving his neck, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, he's just gonna slit it, he's just gonna yeah, phew, any second, right, and he doesn't, um, obviously. So, but
1: that mirror breaks.
0: <laughs> the mirror breaks, and he also sees that Jonathan is wearing a cross, and so yeah. he kind of screams at him about wearing this this cross, which is this symbol and it is uh you know it's it is this i don't know it doesn't mean anything it, there's no power behind it all this stuff he's he's essentially being confronted with something that probably brings him in a way a lot of pain yeah you know because he knows what he did all these years ago and uh but he's still this you know dark evil creature now so it's not like he's it's a lot of pain but i feel like there's something there deep down which is is kind of it pains him to even look at it
1: oh yeah like that's just a huge you know big fat reminder that you know your wife you know could be burning in hell and and that you're forever going to live in this existence that's never ending and thinking about this
0: yeah so uh, dracula um You know, they finish, kind of finish that scene, and eventually uh, Jonathan gets out of his room and he kind of wanders around.
1: Bad mistake. Bad mistake. Just don't do that.
0: So he wanders into, I believe, it's Dracula's chamber, and he sits on the bed, and these three naked female vampires kind of come up out of the, the sheets and they attack jonathan uh lustily <laughs> it's a um, blood orgy <laughs> blood orgy uh, they they start you know hands are going everywhere he of course is uh having a good time i guess <laughs>
1: yeah, though i uh, really i'm a girl and even i winced when the one's got the fangs out and she goes down for uh in the, between his legs i'm like oh god this is it for jonathan yeah that's not it's never gonna experience anything
0: well first of all that's not a place you want to get bitten
1: you don't want fangs near that place
0: (laughs) right um but anyway dracula comes in at the last second and essentially saves his life because they were gonna just kill him they were gonna feast on him he was done he
1: was dinner (laughs)
0: um but this is also the moment where jonathan really truly knows that he's in trouble
1: big time you just screwed up now you know everything so you're going to be my going to be their plaything for the next month <laughs> well
0: especially when dracula pulls a baby out for the for the oh, females to to feed on that was and hard to watch that was hard to watch and and that's the i mean i think even before that point obviously jonathan knows that he's in some deep shit and it's something that he it's probably been dawning on him for quite a while. Uh I think it didn't even take this scene to really tell him that. But I guess but, if anything was going to solidify it, it was going to be this one.
1: Yeah, the scene kind of shows him the depth of you know emotionless evil that he's walked into.
0: Right, because you can tell by his face. I mean, he's just appalled at what he's looking at. And Dracula is you know happy you know he's grinning he he's grinning at the pain and the anguish and the horror that's this crossing jonathan's face he's taking delight in in knowing that that's the reaction that he's managed to get from this guy that okay i don't have to hide who i am and what i'm about now anymore because you know the truth and i'm happy to see your you know just total shock and hate disdain and disdain right to, to to see what's going on before your eyes so yeah that's just awful
1: question did yeah. the baby thing happen in the book
0: i don't remember i really don't uh like, i'm just
1: I, curious if that actually happened or if it was just you know francisco wanted to get through how evil this guy is
0: <laughs> i don't remember because i'll be honest i read the book years ago um about as long as I watched this movie originally. So it's been a long time. I I didn't, you know, go back and read this book before watching the movie. Um, but I don't know about the I don't know about the baby though. <laughs> I really don't. Google it. <laughs> um Well, I'll let you do that. I'll keep going here so you yeah. can <laughs> let me know. So, uh so Dracula with his 50 coffins of dirt kind of Gets on this boat, and he travels to London, and he bur he bursts out of out of these boxes. Or why not boxes, a, a coffin, and he's much younger, right? So he's been using these fifty boxes of dirt mm-hmm. to sleep in, and it's the dirt that's come from, you know, Transylvania, right? Yeah. So he, he bursts out, and he's just much much younger. He's fed on on blood, and probably quite a bit of it. He's been sleeping in this dirt in these coffins, and altogether, it's given him the appearance of a much younger man. He's not this kind of old, wrinkled, uh, grandma-looking kind of f- you know figure that we just saw. This is somebody who appears to be in like the prime of life, really, like like mid th- yeah, like, th- like mid thirties, uh, you know,
1: maybe late twenties, right?
0: Maybe late twenties. Uh, obviously, in in good physical health. At least it appears that way and he looks almost like a 60s rocker right and he's got like this long hair and he's got these like these shades um it was almost a little weird looking at him cuz i thought you look like like seriously you look like you'd come from woodstock you know this is doesn't look like you know 1897 but you know maybe they they maybe there was people that dressed like that back in in 1897 i, I don't know
1: yeah and like those glasses though like they sealed the deal on his costume like if they didn't if he didn't have those glasses on I don't think the look would have been quite as effective as just that added touch to his look just kind of created him.
0: Right. His no, new self. It looked great. It was just kind of weird to see somebody with those on. Yeah, um it was So He's He's been sleeping in these coffins. He burst out. He's, he's staying at the Carfax Abbey, right? So he's already purchased this land. He's staying there. And then we get uh, Renfield, who was the predecessor to Jonathan. Okay. He was the person that originally had gone to help Count Dracula acquire all these purchases in London. Now... He's he's since gone insane. So obviously at some point he learned who Dracula actually is and what he is and essentially has driven him insane because he is uh, at Dr. Jack Seward's asylum. Right? And he foretells, yeah. he foretells that, that Dracula is, is coming. He knows Dracula is on his way. He knows he is coming.
1: Yeah, so they just think he's nutter butters.
0: So Doctor or Dr. Jack Seward, of course, is somebody that Lucy has you know, been with, is a a suitor of hers. Right. So that's kind of like a link here between you know it's like six degrees of separation. You know, we've got me Amina and then we've got Lucy and then Dr. Jack Seward and and then of course, you know, Renfield. And and then, of course, Dracula. So it's like these, they're already lining up how Mina is going to connect at some point with some of these characters who are connected with Dracula.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, On back to the uh, child thing, it was in the book, but it was a wiggling bag, which we, you're supposed to, the reader's supposed mm-hmm. to presume is a child. That's right. And also, okay. a little tidbit, um, two of the, Dracula's brides were. Some people think that it was Stoker's intent that these two were Dracula's daughters, extending the sexuality metaphor of vampirism to incest. Ah, <laughs> so it's even worse.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. It's been a long time for me with that book, so uh, I wish I I wish I would have gone through it at least maybe skimmed it a little bit, but I didn't. So I'm sorry. Uh, I guess for future um, adaptations, maybe I'll try to, to read the book before um, we watch the movie and then comment, so I'll have a better understanding of the source material and I can compare and contrast better than I'm going to do on this one, I think. So <laughs> Just going that. off
1: the cuff here.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so during a, a thunderstorm, Dracula appears as... A wolf creature now he's already he's already in london he's already you know kind of doing his thing right and uh he he appears as like this wolf so i remember the first time i watched this i was confused right because oh, yeah. he appears like a werewolf which is weird because obviously dra- uh vampires and werewolves. Uh, kind of have Don't this mix. this yeah, they had this like hatred, this long bat this history of, of hatred between the two. So it was kinda of weird to see Dracula as this werewolf like creature. Um but you know, gotta kinda of roll with it. Uh I'm trying to remember if it was like that in the book and I again I can't remember but um yeah, so anyway, he appears like this wolf like creature and he seduces Lucy. Right, he's kind of calling for her, and she just walks down in this thunderstorm, and and Mina spots her and follows her, and when she gets around the corner in this this hedge maze, she sees uh, this, this monster. This, yeah, who is is literally you know really raping Lucy, if you want to get down to it. Yeah. Um and and he starts to to bite her and to feed on her, and that's when he looks up and he sees Mina. And in this being Dracula, he's he's taken off guard. He doesn't want her to see him like this, so he flees. And that's when yeah. Mina, Mina is able to get to Lucy uh, because she was going to die. I mean, there's no doubt I think she would have been dead uh, if she hadn't been there. And so he helps get her out of there and uh, you know get her back to the house.
1: Do you think she would have died or do you think it was his plan in the first place to – have her as a feeding source for his time there.
0: Well, I I don't know. We don't really know because just the way things played out, uh, maybe his plan was to simply turn her into a, a vampire, which is possible. Um, or you know, he could have simply drained her of everything and had this really you know really good feast on of blood. Maybe he felt maybe he needs it after uh, having been on the ocean for for that many days. Maybe this is something that he he had to do maybe he really had to feed on somebody and just get this nice big infusion of, of blood so and it's, you yeah.
1: gotta wonder why he chose lucy why not a stranger someone that mina didn't care about
0: well you gotta remember this is dracula has been away from from civilization for so long the the concept of human connection i think is just beyond him at this point i mean he he wants mina. And so there's that, but I think the concept of why not pick somebody else just probably didn't enter his mind. I think he's, he's obsessed with Mina, of course. And so I just think that seeing Lucy was just a way of, first of all, getting someone that is close to Mina out of the way was probably part of it.
1: Maybe because, yeah, she does have a deep connection to Lucy I could definitely see like Lucy being her voice of reasoning to keep her away from him,
0: right? Right. Yeah, I mean, that I makes think... sense. So then we have we have Dracula. He's on the street. He he spots Mina, right? And mm-hmm. uh, he kind of compels her to look at him. And then they have this you know this introductory scene between the two. Uh, she's kind of brusque with him, uh, kind of just pushes him away doesn't really want to have anything to do with him uh but he kind of worms his way into her he in in they start talking a little bit and he introduces himself as prince vlad which i thought was pretty pretty cool in a way you know he's gonna recognize that he's gonna recognize that name you know
1: yeah and when someone's a prince well it's automatically interesting
0: (laughs) right so I, i i like that um so, Lucy's health is deteriorating, right? And, and this is the scene where we, we start meeting people that are going to play an integral part for the rest of the movie, right? So, we have Quincy, um, Morris, we have Dr. Seward, and we have uh, Lucy's uh, husband-to-be, uh, Arthur uh, Homewood, who's played by Carrie Ells. Um, yes. And, obviously, they've tried everything that they could, and nothing's working. Dr seward has tried everything he can think of and it's not working it's it's beyond him so he tells them that they need to call van helsing that they need mm-hmm. they need want well, to the... like, call van helsing they need to get in contact with van, <laughs> van helsing because obviously you know. uh, no but, phones <laughs> right so they need to get a hold of, of van helsing and they need him to come immediately and so they do that. They do that. Homewood says, you know, essentially, uh, send right away, uh, message right away, get him here as soon as possible. Uh, spare no expense.
1: Yeah, you know, and he's looks generally worried now. Like before, he was just, you know, like, you know, make her better. Like he didn't think anything was really wrong. But now that she's slowly, like, her, her physical health is showing him, like, yeah, something's really wrong. That can't be done right now.
0: Right. Um, so next we meet Van Helsing.
1: <laughs> Gotta so, <I> love him.
0: <laughs> so he's giving a lecture and he he gets this message, uh, mid lecture, that that he's needed right away. So he essentially drops what he's doing and he leaves. Um and then we follow that up with uh well, first of all, you know, that's Anthony Hopkins, obviously a huge actor. He's fresh off of Science of the Lambs. So he's just one of the biggest actors in the planet, especially at that time. Um, Yeah. And so this was a big role, I think, for him before he signed on. Uh, But obviously, after having won the Oscar, it really added a lot more of a spotlight to this character, considering, you know, his great turn as Hannibal Lecter so. I like Van Helsing in this movie. I think he's one of the things that makes this movie really good. Well, one of the things that I like about this movie are things that I don't like. Uh, But if I'm talking about positive aspects, Anthony Hopkins, you can can see why he's so well regarded as an actor because he does an amazing job with this role, which actually isn't as easy as it sounds.
1: No, he's got quite – it's – big role like we don't really notice him too much because it's he only shows up at the last half but you know everything that happens is kind of predetermined by his actions and you know we learn that this has been something he's been chasing his whole life is you know vampires and the source and he's got quite an interesting backstory
0: right right. this has been an obsession of his for, for a very long time so um so the brides in next scene the brides are keeping Jonathan drained uh, <laughs> and uh and weak you know so they're not killing him but they're feeding on him pretty consistently and it's allowing uh them to kind of keep him there pr- as a prisoner because he doesn't have enough energy to do more than just lay there and, and essentially take it
1: <laughs> yeah, Poor Jonathan and, like, we're just so, you know, content to watch Dracula and Mina that we just kind of forget about poor Jonathan.
0: Yeah, you he's do. He's going through some hell. You do. You know, he's back there suffering, and, and you're like, whatever. I don't care. I mean, I'm watching, you know, Mina and Dracula.
1: I'm not invested in you.
0: <laughs> so, um, so then we have uh, Dracula uh, coming for for Lucy. Right. He he comes for her and we have Van Helsing intervening just in time. I mean, well, not just him, but they kind of burst into the room and Dracula flees. And that's when Van Helsing kind of sees her for the first time, is able to start putting two and two together. And he he realizes very quickly that this is something's wrong here. This isn't like a disease. This is something done by uh, a dark force, a a dark creature.
1: Yes, used to do a full blood transfusion on her. Uh with two or three guys used to take like a ton of blood from.
0: Right, right. I mean that's unheard of now. That would never happen, but No. Right. You but don't it... know if
1: it's the same blood type.
0: Right. And but at the time though, it was it was just the best that they could do. It's eighteen ninety seven, so right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> not the not the healthiest or sanitary way, but it never worked, and I guess she didn't really have a choice at that point. <laughs> she needed blood asap.
0: Right. So, so then after this goes down, uh, Van Helsing goes outside, and and that's there's a scene where he he's really telling them what they're facing. And he's telling them that the road that they're going to be going on is going to be hard, and they better be ready for it because what they're facing isn't a disease; it is something much much more evil than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, those guys are real troopers that they even stuck around to, you know, kind of protect her after she chose, you know, one guy as her fiancé. These guys still kind of stuck around and cared for her.
0: Right. Yeah, it's important because she's obviously had an effect on all of these guys to to a pretty large degree, like you said, for them to stick around, you know, when they know that they're not the winning suitor. Uh, tells you that that she's had quite an effect on them and they are they care about her
1: yeah they're decent guys
0: <laughs> right uh so nina meets with dracula right and this is when she learns what happened to Elizabeta. now they have this long conversation and she wants to know about the princess he's like what princess and and she's like, well, like every prince has a princess. Like what happened, and that's when he goes into detail about about what happened to her and and what how she died and everything. So you can see it has a, few, a huge effect on on Mina.
1: Yeah, like it's like I would assume for her, it's almost like the story is deja vu. You know, it's a distant. Memory she can't grasp, but at the same time, it's still familiar to her.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think you can see it in her eyes. She She's like, like a half-forgotten memory.
1: Yeah. And it really affects Dracula to talk about this, because you can see him sitting there and tears are coming down his cheeks, just even thinking about it.
0: Yes. So... Uh, next, we have Jonathan escaping down the side of, a to- of the tower. He falls into the water, so he's escaped. He gets out, and he's obviously weak, but he's taken it upon himself to be a man of action, and he's doing just that. So, you know, i got to applaud him for um, self-preservation.
1: Yeah, he's determined to survive.
0: Right, so Lucy's getting worse. She gives her ring to Mina as a, a wedding gift. Yeah, that Um, was really sweet. That was sweet um, because she knows things are not good and she probably has a pretty good idea that that she's going to die. So um, after this, Mina learns that Jonathan is alive, right? So she's supposed to to meet up with Dracula again, right? Because earlier they they met up, uh, they went to... Uh, this this fair thing where they were like looking at all this different technology, and Dracula actually attacked her, you know, physically. I mean, as like sexually and really pushed his motives right in front of her,
1: and was going to bite her then and there.
0: Right, and and thankfully that didn't happen, um, but obviously it still left a big impression on her, and so in this in this scene. Um, he's sitting at the restaurant and he gets a message from, from her because she's just found out that Jonathan is alive. He managed to get to help and a, a message was sent. So she's going to meet up with him right away. And not just that, but they're to be married. So, you know, that, there's that.
1: Right then and there.
0: Um, Which leads me to this, this weird thing, you know. It, it kind of bothered me too because they're going to get married even though all this weird stuff has happened, it's just like of all the things that's on my mind, the first thing I'm, not th- I'm thinking of isn't, um, okay, I've been stuck in this castle for how, mu- you know, what, weeks, maybe a couple months by these vampires who have been keeping me drained. I managed to escape, and when I get to somebody that can help me, uh, the first thing I'm going to do is tell them to inform my fiancé that I'm alive. Fine, that's great. But uh, getting married over over there? Like, what, what purpose like,
1: of- bring her close as possible to this castle so I can marry her in this strange little, you know, church that's just kind of down the block. Like, I guess maybe in his mind, because he saw the way that Dracula reacted to the cross, that this is the only way he'd think to protect Mina is to, you know, join in, like, holy matrimony and you know have that bond of like Christianity around them both maybe
0: maybe i no idea it's just weird <laughs> uh so in his anger he's, he's he's pissed uh so to take out his anger he he transforms lucy into a vampire yep Right. He so
1: gets
0: pissed off <laughs> right so so uh, uh, homewood was you know, sitting there and but he was drinking and he ended up falling asleep, <laughs> he passed out, and that's when Dracula's able to come in and finish the job and
1: it's a bloodbath, like Right. It's literally just like I can picture two guys on each side of the camera with buckets of red corn syrup just like ready to throw it on the bed. It was so much blood.
0: Right. So um Lucy Okay, so turns her into a vampire, but then ultimately she's killed by Van Helsing, uh, Seward, and Morris and Homewood. You know, they go in and they literally stab her in the heart with a stake, and then they chop her head off.
1: Yeah, well, at first they went in and she's not even there. Oh yeah, that's right. And, and then they're like, "Uh, hear footsteps. Like, okay, hide." And she's she's coming down with you know a snack. She's got a child in her arms and. They, you know, surprise her and <laughs> drops this poor child onto this hard floor. <laughs> like Coppola must have hated kids. <laughs> like he's just like, eh, keep it in here. You know, I don't like kids. Like let's just show them getting like dropped and eaten, whatever.
0: <laughs> what well, did you know? Actually, that kid was so frightened of uh of Lucy's appearance. Um, it's actually Sadie Frost who was married to uh, Jude Law for for quite some time they had a, i believe they had a kid together um and <laughs> so she would, this little girl was apparently so frightened of of lucy's appearance that it took a lot of convincing by sadie frost and the director to get her to, to do one more take she was that scared Aww, right
1: poor thing
0: right 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 um yeah, so she's yeah, she's got this kid, you know, possible snack, and then they they're like right there, and so they kill her, and uh, and then we get a, the next scene is this Mina and Jonathan return, and Jonathan's starting his hair's starting to turn like gray, like I think from from what's <laughs> Borderline happened, white. Right? yeah, from what's happened to him, which I I totally get, right? You've um, almost died so many times, it's lost its meaning. Um, but the
1: life sucked out of you
0: literally uh (laughs) so then we have uh van helsing and and company they destroy dracula's boxes of soil i mean they just go in and go to town dracula angry he kind of flees and and flies away um and that's that's when because see here's the thing after that renfield meets up with with mina and and he informs her what who's coming so she knows she knows what's, what's happening she knows that that uh, dracula is is coming back
1: yeah and i don't understand how she doesn't understand what he is at this point that it's a shock to her to find out
0: well vampires at the time i mean today if somebody exhibited the signs that that we know it would just be like oh it's a vampire but but you gotta remember 1897 there were Everything was word of mouth and tales that were told, and it's it's not necessarily, um, it it's not it's not unfeasible unfeasible that she would have no knowledge of that legend.
1: Yeah, I, I I don't know. For me, for some reason, I kind of thought Van Helsing would have clued her in, but I don't remember seeing that scene, so probably not.
0: Right, and maybe she, maybe he did, but I, maybe not. I guess I'm going to go with, obviously, probably not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was kind of a shock to her. Right. Just a little.
0: <laughs> right. So, uh, so Renfield warns uh, Mina of Dracula's return. And when Dracula finds this out, he then in turn kills Renfield for basically betraying him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he at least he went out doing a decent, kind act, like... He was really sweet and caring, you know, wanting to protect her. He wasn't being creepy or weird or anything,
0: right? So, um, so then after that, Dracula visits Mina, and uh, because they are out looking for Dracula, so there's nobody there, and so he visits Mina and it and admits uh, she admits that she still loves him, uh, because she's able now at this point to remember her her past life. Uh, as uh, Elisabetta so she's looking at him both with the eyes of Mina and with the eyes of Elisabetta and so it's uh, kind of two people looking through the same eyes at the same time
1: yeah I really liked the like the scene the way it transformed and you know we have her just kind of dreaming in the bed and you know the inner monologue of her talking and him talking and then when you kind of pan out he's right there and you kind of just don't expect it but he's you know, already fully formed right there with her.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
1: It was a good scene transition.
0: Right. So, um. so then we have, uh, so she remembers her life and, and he explains what he is and she's really angry about it. Um, but ultimately she tells him that she, she doesn't, she wants him to take her away from this life and she wants, she wants him to to start turning her into a vampire that she's accepted everything. And she's ready to take on that, that thing that, I mean, that awful transformation and what it means for her and for her life. And she's willing to to do that.
1: Yeah. Despite knowing that, he killed her best friend like, intentionally. Right. Oh, it doesn't matter. I still love you.
0: Right. It, <laughs> it, you know, funny enough, it kind of reminds me a little too much of Bella and Twilight.
1: Yeah. Like I kind of had that vibe too. I'm like, that's not really too far. Like
0: <laughs> Very, very similar, uh, you know, unfortunately. Um, so Van Helsing and the guys, they, they burst in at just the right moment. Um, and she's, there are in the bed uh, kind of her, her hands are up and there's nothing there because of course dracula is, is there, he's not allowed he's not letting himself be seen by them and she's covered in blood and uh that's that's when they get into kind of like this little bit of a fight here in this scene and and ultimately uh dracula turns into a bunch of rats and kind of Runs off.
1: Oh, well, first he's a bat. Oh, first he's a he, the yeah, creepiest. Yeah,
0: he's a pretty ugly looking bat. Um, and I gotta say, that's really impressive. Uh, you know, uh, makeup and in, in uh, ma- yeah, all the stuff really. that goes into to turning him into that was really really well done. I was, I was very pleased by it. And put it that way.
1: Yeah, like it doesn't look cheesy even by today's standards. Like it looks genuinely creepy.
0: Well, yeah, and that's like I said, that's because they haven't used special effects to enhance anything. Uh, so it's all what you see in 1992 is what you're seeing now, you know. And other than other than the improvements on just you know special effects that are done, you know, w- without the use of computer computers, it, they may have improved uh, makeup and and. Stuff like that, but it still looks really good. I think it, because it was a hands-on, you know, uh, thing that they did there, and they didn't, they didn't take, uh, you know, motion capture. They didn't uh, cover his face in in green paint and then attach some kind of creature's face onto him or something like that. I mean, this is all old school, you know, real stuff here, which is great.
1: Yeah, exactly. It stands against time.
0: Right. So, yeah, he's this bat thing, and then he turns into all these rats, and they kind of run off, and uh, so as as Nina or Mina is laying there uh, talking to Van Helsing, that's when he learns that, that Mina has a connection to Dracula, and that's when he also finds out that Dracula is sailing home.
1: Yeah, and that Mina has been bitten. She's soon going to suffer like Lucy did and turn yeah. like Lucy did.
0: Right. So they try to intercept him, but he, he reads Mina's mind and knows that, of course, she has told Van Helsing that he's going home and it allows him to evade capture. And so yeah. what they do is they, they split up. So one group goes to the Borgo Pass and the other one tries to stop the gypsies transporting Dracula's body.
1: But he continuously outsmarts them.
0: Right, yeah, because, it, you know, he's been around a long time. He this probably isn't the first person who's ever tried to kill him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can see he had a few enemies.
0: <laughs> right. So uh, so Van Helsing and Mina are together. And so they're, it's at, like, nighttime, and they've got a fire, and the Dracula's Brides approach Van Helsing and Mina, and they start chanting, and, and eventually Mina... <laughs> joins in and it kind of puts her under a spell not unlike something that dracula would do himself and she tries to seduce van helsing
1: yeah i didn't like how quickly he just kind of fell for it like she just like opens up her top a bit and he's like okay we're doing this i guess
0: (laughs) right right And, and they try to kind of they try to use they try to use Lucy as a bit of a, a gateway into him, just saying, "Sure, whatever," um, because they they made it obvious that Lucy was very fond of Van Helsing, you know, and and we don't know for sure whether or not maybe something had had happened there, maybe.
1: Yeah, I'm but who sure. knows,
0: right? So I, I'm not entirely sure unless unless I'm completely mistaken there and maybe I am but I, th- I swear that's what I got from that was that uh, but if it's still it felt weird like you said I, I totally agree with you here it it was just like Van Helsing wouldn't fall for something like this I think not as easily you know
1: yeah like I expected to see fight back more than just a complete you know loss of control
0: right. I mean, yes. Don't get me wrong. You know, Winona Ryder is is beautiful, and you know, I, I get I get the the desire part. But considering what's going on and what they're trying to do, I think I could withstand that. F- you know, I could withstand for that five minutes. <laughs> right. I could just. I could just say, uh, no. Nah, first of all, now's not the time for this. So,
1: <laughs> like, there's more pressing matters at hand.
0: <laughs> right so anyway uh eventually van helsing kind of comes to and really understands what's going on and he builds like this circle of fire around them and it it keeps the brides from getting in and because at this point he put he puts a sorry he puts a um a communion wafer on on her forehead and it, it kind of does the trick it it kind of takes away that spell that she was under and the brides can't get in cuz it's this fire all around them and so they kind of flee. So.
1: Yeah, and then when they're sleeping in the daytime Van Helsing creeps into the castle and just beheads all of them and tosses their heads into the river.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, they deserve it.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're not the nicest creatures, <laughs> right. uh, one of the no souls whatsoever.
0: <laughs> one of those brides is actually uh Monica Belushi, so um, and she's pretty you know, well known actress, especially over in Europe. Um, so this was a, a very, very early role for her. I mean, she was probably in her uh early 20s, maybe something like that. She didn't, yeah, she
1: was in um. Couple of the Matrixes with Keanu, right? Right,
0: and she was just in uh, the the newest James Bond movie. Actually, she was Inspector. So
1: yeah, wasn't she the? Uh... Is this the one where she was um, the prostitute with the tattoo on the wrist? Or is that a different one? I think
0: it's a different one. I don't know. I think... they all
1: kind of look bony in the same.
0: No, th- this is a... yeah. I think this one's different. Yeah, this is different. So um... I can't keep up with that. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that's she's gonna
1: be in Twin Peaks though.
0: Yeah, yeah, so that's great. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited for Twin Peaks, but I'm, but that's <laughs> it's cool, you know, because she's she's a good actress, and I'm, it's nice to see that she's getting some nice big roles.
1: Yeah, she really is lately.
0: Um. So anyway, uh, so you have she chops up the head, and then you've got the gypsies coming, and you've got all the guys chasing that them down as they come towards the castle. And this fight breaks out. Like so, the gypsies are fighting with uh, Van Helsing and, and the guys, and that's when uh, Dracula bursts out of his coffin. He's ready to fight, and I was actually really surprised at how quickly things went in this the, this part of the movie. Like it was just like boom, he bursts out of his coffin, and all of a sudden he's got a, his throat slashed and he's got a, a knife stabbed into his heart.
1: Yeah, like I expected a bit more of a battle than just, you know, he g- gets one guy, but then they get the jump on him and he's supposed to have the strength of 20 men.
0: Right. Well, first of all, Mer- Morris in the battle with I believe with the gypsies gets stabbed in in the back. Um yeah. So, he's already kind of injured, but obviously he's not so injured that that he can't do anything. And so right away once dracula bursts out of that out of that uh coffin you know he's he's got you know his throat slashed because uh, if i remember correctly i want to say it's jonathan it's sla- i think it's jonathan maybe i'm trying to think no yes it's jonathan who slashes him across the throat so you have this he slashes him across the throat and then we see like dracula's just got blood pouring down his chest and everything he looks Awful I means obviously that's not good, and all you know he's staggering back, and that's when, that's when um, Morris you know grabs this Bowie knife and and really just slams it into into his heart, and yeah. that's when that's when Mina comes out to stand in front of him and and defend him
1: <laughs> with a shotgun. With a <laughs>
0: shotgun, so they kind of go backwards and Van Helsing. Jonathan. They all tell everyone to, to stay back and to let them go.
1: Yeah, because they know he's not gonna survive.
0: <laughs> yeah. So they're inside the church now. By the way, this is the church in which Van or which, in which Dracula originally denounced his uh, his Christianity in the beginning of the and became movie became what he is. Became what he is. So they're laying there and he's kind of looking up at the the ceiling and there's Mina. She's sitting there and obviously she's, uh, you know, in just terrible shape. And they share this kiss with one another, which is disgusting. I'm sorry that he's just in full vampire mode and he's got blood all over his face and he just looks entirely unappealing. Um, Their love
1: is greater than
0: that. I guess, <laughs> I suppose. And anyway, so she she kisses him. Um. And. Uh. He, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's dying. She kisses him, and. Uh, he, he asks her to give him peace. Right. So, she grabs the knife, and she she shoves it into his chest now also at this point the the vampire disappears and it's replaced with the man the young the much much younger version of of vlad right
1: yeah and her i guess the vampire and her disappears too because like the burn mark on her forehead goes away
0: right because i think it was has to do with the fact that he's he's not dead so whatever taint is on her soul and on her body is gone because he's gone
1: yeah, and then she just seals the deal to make. I don't really understand why she cut his head off. Like, was it just to make sure.
0: I, I guess so. I think it was. Um. She knew it was over, and she didn't want. She didn't want this to come back and and start over again, and she she wasn't taking any chances um it that it, it didn't matter that she she loves him and everything she knows deep down what was necessary and so she had to do it at least in her mind
1: yeah i'm curious how the conversation goes after this moment when she goes like back outside to like the group and be like hey jonathan like you know i was just kidding about all that we're still good right
0: um yeah i mean that First of all, that that's that's funny. I like that, but <laughs> but how does it really go? Um, I I think it would probably go something along the lines of she she walks back outside and the men are standing there, uh, you know, just expectant maybe, and he she informs them that Dracula's dead and that you know she stabbed him in the heart and, and cut his head off, uh, on his request, and I think. That it probably is just a, an a, maybe maybe an embrace by Jonathan and, you know, they go in to verify they they do verify and come out and maybe they just have a long conversation with Mina and, you know, about about what happened about what Dracula, you know, was doing to her and how, she was under his control and uh, just you know everything. I don't know it's obviously very speculative and it could go in a lot of different ways i just think it's something where she comes out and they learn that he's dead and it's just a you know slow healing process from that point forward
1: yeah do you think that she and jonathan stayed together afterwards
0: um i don't know maybe you know is she the same person is he the same person um, I would argue. Yeah. I would argue, no. That doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. I think it's possible that because of what they've experienced, um, they've been thrust into a much different world, and it's maybe allowed for some of that naivete of of their lives to kind of fall away. Um, now, that doesn't doesn't necessarily mean that that's a good thing in the long run for them. I think it's a good thing in the long run for them individually, but your as your
1: a... mic cut out. Oh, oh, there you are. Okay,
0: sorry about that. Um, it it's not that I think that they necessarily are. A, it's bad for the for them as individually. I think it's good, but I think as a couple, it may not be, you know, a good thing that they've experienced this. It's such a traumatic thing. Where where do you go from here? Like how do you start off maybe very slowly but but maybe not maybe they just can't you know move forward
1: yeah like i kind of think i think they probably stayed together cuz i mean like imagine trying to connect with another human being who has no idea what you've been through in your life and trying to explain that to them and have a connection with someone else that's going to be the same as you have like someone who understands who you are now and I probably think they probably just took it slow and rebuilt a relationship.
0: It, that's possible. It really is. It it could happen, um, but it's certainly not something that's easy. And it's not no. you know. So uh, I think it's going to take some time. If it does work out, it's we're talking therapy <laughs> and
1: counseling, counseling them. <laughs>
0: right. Right. Um. And a lot of a lot of. Conversations between the two of them. So
1: yeah, because I mean, like he was lured by the Dracula's brides. She was lured by Dracula. they can kind of call it even.
0: <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, just everything that happened, it, it certainly wasn't their plan, and it wasn't their their fault to a large degree. Um, you know, he was stuck in that that castle, and um, now maybe the initial meeting with the brides was not quite so great but i mean everything after that was just them keeping him there as a food source so you know so anyway um all right let's talk uh a bit about what we thought of this movie and let's talk about some thoughts uh what are the things that we liked about it but also what are the criticisms criticisms that we have so let's talk first about about the the positive aspects to this to this movie. So um I will start first. For me it, it's a beautiful movie. It's a very gorgeous uh well-shot movie. Um you can see that money was put into this. Right? There was a, it was a real a uh, hefty budget. There was a real healthy budget. It's very stylish. Right, there's shots that fade into one another. You know, you'll have an eyeball that turns into a sun, things like that. Uh, It's really, really well done. It's it's stylistic. Um, It's it's like I said, beautiful production design. Some of the best production design I think I've ever seen. um, To be honest with you, the the uh, the costumes are great. The acting, with one notable exception, is. (laughs) Uh, really stellar and and don't don't worry I'll get to that Um, but the acting is really really good it's it's well done Gary Oldman's great I thought Winona Ryder was good I I think obviously Anthony Hopkins was uh, you could argue at the peak of his powers as an actor uh, having come off Science of the Lambs he obviously was riding this wave of uh, just great acting and, and critical acclaim so that's fantastic. that's really good. The directing, I thought, was well done. So those are, are the things that I really liked about this movie. Some of the things I didn't like about it. Now, first of off is Keanu Reeves' performance, in this movie is, is Jonathan uh, Harker. So he's widely regarded as, without a doubt, the weakest link in this movie. Um, it's a very, very bad performance. It's not good, I think, um, almost at all with maybe – a scene or two where i felt like he wasn't bad but on the whole this is a really bad performance uh the the accent is all over the place it's not very good it's very very posh uh very posh victorian accent it's a very weird i i I don't know what he was trying to do that but it certainly wasn't working uh so that wasn't it, although I, we do find out from a later interview that he had filmed like three movies back to back to back, and he'd signed on to this movie, and he just apparently had nothing left to give as a, for a performance. It's not really an excuse, but that's simply what he said happened. He just – he tried, and he just had nothing left to give, and he just could not give the film the, the –
1: the time it deserved. The
0: time you know, to really delve into the character and really give it the performance that it deserved. He just he had nothing left to give. And, and so that's kind of why, partly at least why, that, that performance is so hated by people that like this movie. So there's that. Yeah. Um, other things I don't like, I think there's a real pacing problem with this movie. Uh, early on, we have this kind of slow, methodical build up to the movie you know scene after scene and then it hits the halfway point and it it zooms forward now a lot of movies do this to a degree right you kind of build things up and then you hit the tipping point and then things move a little quicker right because you're moving towards the climax and of course the denouement the problem here is that it didn't just jump forward speed wise it it went from like being on a horse trotting down the road to hopping into a Corvette. Right. We're talking about, <laughs> Truly. I mean, it, it hit the midway point, And after uh, Mina and Dracula meet, it was like balls to the walls, slamming down the gas uh, pedal to, uh, to the floor and seeing how fast they could go. So much so that I really felt like the movie needed to be another 20 minutes longer just to, to let scenes breathe a little bit at certain points to maybe give the opportunity to let scenes, some scenes be a little longer, to add more context. Um, also, the characters you have, other than Van Helsing, Dracula, Jonathan, and Lucy. Well, even not even, Well, not even Lucy, really. I mean, there's a lot of characters in this movie that didn't really get any character development, barely knew who they are. I had a hard time remembering who Quincy was, who Morris was, because I know yeah. I know so little about them. Right? The, I mean, other the, the only
1: one that really stuck is the one that worked in a mental institution,
0: right, Doctor Doctor Seward. Yeah. I mean, he had a little bit. You could, there's a little bit to him. He, you know, he was a, uh, a well, that Van Helsing was his mentor, right? So he he was being taught under Van Helsing. And he obviously has the asylum, so that gave his character a little more to work with, but but I don't know who Quincy is. I don't know who Morris is. There's these, these characters have a name, but nothing else. I don't know anything about them. And yes, I, I get I do get that some characters are gonna be more important. They're gonna have more screen time, and therefore we're gonna know more about them, they're gonna have more shading. But this even this was, was really poor in terms of like, am I supposed to care that Morris has died at the end? Honestly, I didn't care. I don't know who he is. He doesn't mean anything to me. I wasn't. Yeah, exactly. I wasn't getting misty. I wasn't shedding a tear. I was like, "Oh, Morris died. Well, oh, that sucks." Uh, all right, moving on. You know, it didn't matter. Now, partly because we're at the end of the movie, but also because his character didn't mean anything to me. He was just this guy that was trying to catch Dracula, but exactly. there was no weight. There was no weight there to his character so i feel like this movie was it was two hours long i felt like it could have benefited from another 20 maybe even 30 minutes uh, maybe 30 minutes was too it would be too long but 20 minutes i think would have definitely helped this movie with some of its pacing problems some of its character problems and definitely some of its uh it's it's their, honestly some pot, plot issues there but they're minor for me. I don't care so much about that, but the pacing and the character development really struck a chord with me.
1: No, I completely mm-hmm. agree because that's like part of my problem too was the lack of explanation of you know certain things like like you said with the different locations he had bonded up, but also like yeah we understand that you know he bites Lucy and at least he's going through this transformation, but there's no real explanation to. Why Lucy? Why did he even do this to her? Why not Mina in the first place? Just never really gets explained. It's just there. And the ending. The ending was fine where they're in the church, but the build up to that ending kind of bothered me because we get. It's a climactic build up, a big chase to this scene where the sun goes down and, you know, they're gonna fight Dracula and it's over within, like, maybe. Twenty seconds of like not really fighting, just getting a good few hits in on Dracula, and then he's you know going into the church, and that's it. It's not a big payoff for what the build up's been.
0: Yeah, well that that's what I'm talking about. It's part of the pacing issue. You know, there there's so there's such a necessity to get to the end, like a rush to get to the end. Right. You're right. We're we're chasing Dracula all over, trying to trying to get him. You know, they're chasing him with the gypsies. You've got Van Helsing and, and Mina. You get all these people that are that are trying desperately to kill him, obviously, being the big thing. But then you finally get to the end. And you're right, between the moment the, the gypsies show up at the castle and Mina chopping off his head, I think maybe three minutes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very just, it's just, quick.
0: yeah. He gets there. He bursts out of his coffin. His throat slit. Uh, knife stabbed into his heart. Stumbles back. Mina comes out with a shotgun. They go in the church. She kisses him, uh, shoves the knife through his heart, uh, and then chops his head off. And that's it. And we're done. And it yeah, just. For the. It was very. Yeah, it, for
1: like the legendary character he was, it wasn't a very big send off. <laughs>
0: it was a very abrupt ending. And. In the pacing, like I said, it just, you know, it's one thing if you have a movie, it's kind of a rip-roaring ride from the beginning. So take, for instance, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, okay? That movie from the opening frame, okay, is almost completely, you know, pedals to the metal. This movie is going to fly along. That's it. And you know that from the start. And that's fine. Okay, you can deal with that because it is it is consistent throughout the movie. This movie, with the exception of a scene here or there, it is just go 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 go. Okay, this movie is not that. The first half of the movie feels like it's one thing. The second half of the movie feels like it's it feels like two halves of two very different movies, right? It feels like the first cut of of the movie was uh, a very measured movie. Movie and then the second cut they did was this this flying by the seat of your pants, rip roaring cut and they took one half and cut it off they took one half cut it off and they slapped them together and said that's our movie. That's yeah, what I feel. it feels.
1: It, it really felt like that.
0: It, it's what it feels like to me. And maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? I could be wrong. Maybe some people have a completely different viewpoint and that's fine. And maybe you watch this and you don't think there is a pacing issue or character problems and and hey, if you have that if you have that opinion, but we want to hear, right? We want to, we want to know what you think. So, because maybe, maybe you'll say something and we'll look at it in an entirely different light. But for, for us watching this movie and I'm watching it really with fresh eyes because I haven't seen this movie since, since I was in college. And this is back around probably 2000, well, 2001, 2002. That's the last time I've watched this movie. So it's been like almost 15 years for me. So it's been so long since I've seen this. I really was watching it in a way for the first time. I'd forgotten so much, but those are the things that really struck out. Stuck out to me was the pacing issue. Uh, the character development was really um, an issue, and yeah, the ending being such an abrupt ending. the three minutes from the the gypsies coming into the cast to the castle and and the end the roll credits it's like three maybe four maybe four minutes and we're done
1: yeah no real time whatsoever it's just you know just very suddenly it's like they ran out of they had a time budget and they ran out of room and just kind of had to wrap it up within four minutes
0: which makes no sense to me and obviously that's an editing it's the editing process, right? They obviously got in there and for whatever reason, they just decided that that was what they had to do or that's what they felt they needed to do to make a good movie. Uh, I don't know why. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But, you know, hey, it's it's their cut. It's their movie. Obviously, it was critically – I would say it was critically respected. I wouldn't say critically adored. But I think – A lot of critics enjoyed it for what it was, and I think certainly from a visual aspect, I think a lot of critics really um, loved this movie for the gorgeous visuals, the production design, and the costumes, and the acting for the most part. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, we're in no way like hating on this movie whatsoever. These are just the points that might have bothered us. But on the entire whole, you know, this movie is astounding for what it, for its time and how it holds up to now. I mean, the costuming, still by today's standards, is incredible, unique, and just very different. Not even it's not for the time period. It's very original and it was very well done the cinematic you know scenery the you know way they did the shots it was very lovely and beautiful and the acting's incredible you can feel like they put time and passion and a lot of love into this movie and really wanted it to be this you know this you know rich and this rich and just astounding thing it became and it really paid off and you can absolutely feel it from everyone involved in Maybe Keanu, but you know we can't blame him. He was very busy, and you know he is a good actor on the whole. He just had a slip up. We still love him. <laughs> We're not ragging on him that bad, right?
0: I mean, look, Keanu Reeves is. I think he's a he's a decent actor. I mean, I've seen him do good performances in general. Um, he doesn't have the I think the greatest maybe the greatest range in the world. Um, I, I he's not one of those actors that I feel like is a chameleon you know he's not going to slide in and out of every role. Gary Oldman is a chameleon. Gary Oldman can yes. play anything, right? So that that is a chameleon. That is somebody who can play any role and can change his appearance and his uh his mannerisms, his physicality for any role and really adopt the kind of persona that he needs to adopt in order to make sure that that performance is fantastic. Um, so I wouldn't say that the Keanu Reeves is, is down that level, uh, but he's a good actor in general. Um, but this performance yes. this performance, in, was very poor. Uh, there was reasons for it, sure, but at the same time, that doesn't really mean anything to a degree. I understand the reasons for it, but it doesn't change the performance on the screen. And you have to judge the performance on the screen. And the performance on the screen yeah. wasn't that great. It was the weakest link, and it really, in an otherwise really well acted movie, it was. It's like, um, it's like having a black rose in a sea of red roses, or white roses, yeah. right? I mean, it just stands out. It's just like, wow, that's a big, you know, black rose in all these roses. I, how can you not see it? And unfortunately, exactly. that's that's what it was. It, it's just this blemish uh, on a, an otherwise, you know, pretty well acted movie.
1: Yeah, I think we've covered everything. We've talked about this movie for quite an extent of time.
0: Right. Okay. Uh one thing we didn't get to in the beginning, I think right. We didn't get to the to the news, right? So <laughs> yeah. Right. So we were you know, we kinda got started right away. Um the news is generally gonna come at the beginning of, of the podcast, but we uh we've got to we're do excited that. excited to talk about yeah. this. <laughs> right. So we're gonna do the news here and then we're gonna do uh a quick spotlight on something I wanna bring up. And then we'll wrap up and uh, and we'll get ready for the next podcast.
1: Alright, so the news this week. Um, yeah, There's some big gaming news that came out this week. Um, one of the biggest pieces of news is that Rockstar Games kind of blew our socks off this week when they released a cinematic trailer for Red Dead Redemption 2. No one saw this coming. Um, we They got a date period as well, fall of next year. Uh, Red Dead Redemption is a wonderful game. If you have a chance, you know, go and play it. It's really wonderful if it's single player or if you're playing the multiplayer. Um, They've announced that it will be available for PS4 and Xbox One. No word yet on PC, but I can't see them not making it for PC because they're also going to have an online multiplayer. They'd probably want it to be like multiplayer the way GTA 5 is. Uh, Apparently they've been working for this for like six years, just kind of secretly and no one really knew about it. So it's kind of amazing that no one, this didn't leak whatsoever that for six years, that's kind of insane.
0: Yeah. Well, they probably did it like side by side kind of with GTA. Um, My guess is that they probably had a much smaller team for quite some time, kind of just doing it. And, And then once GTA, uh, came out gta 5 they probably took those resources and then you know probably moved them over to really speed up you know red dead redemption and really get it get it moving to towards the finish line so that's that's my guess i'm not saying i have any inside information or that i (laughs) I know that for sure but i if you're going to do something like that where you have this six-year project uh i would say there's probably a pretty good chance that the initial team wasn't massive like Say the team for GTA Five probably from the get go was massive, where yeah. and this this was probably a little smaller. And then once they freed up the resources, it was like, okay, now this team's going to be huge, and we can really finish this thing and get it out there. So uh, I'm excited because I love uh, Red Dead Redemption, the first one. I think that's an amazing game. I think it's also, I don't want to say it's one of Rockstar's underrated gems, but in a way, it is. You know, a lot of people liked it. It was a kind of a big hit initially, but then it's a little bit forgotten. I think so. Uh, hopefully, Red Dead Redemption gets like all the attention it deserves with this game coming out, and people kind of remember. Oh, that was a good game. Oh, I mean, I can't wait for this sequel. So I'm excited for it.
1: Yeah, very much so. And also, we got um, a trailer for the Legends of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Um, it looks visually stunning, um, simplified, but stunning at the same time um this means i'm gonna have to get a wii u because that's the it's coming out on uh, uh i have to buy another nintendo machine <laughs> there's no release date for it yet but except for you know it's supposed to come out next year sometime uh, but it looks amazing i mean no one can argue that another zelda game is just you know totally fine with all geeks
0: <laughs> wow zelda- legend of zelda is one of my all-time favorite series no, I'm yeah, I'm it's I'm iconic. I'm a little old. I'm a little old school in that uh, when I was a kid, when I was like 10, 11 years old, uh, that's when uh, Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past came out for the Super Nintendo, and I actually purchased a Super Nintendo with my paper route money, <laughs> and Aww, a lot. That's so cute. Right, right. It, well, I, I did that, and with purchasing that, I, I bought Legend of Zelda. So That was like I had Mario, and then I had Legend of Zelda, and I played that game. Well, let's just say I played it a lot. And I, I beat it start <laughs> to finish probably a dozen times. Uh, and then I, I bought the uh, N64, and I did the same thing with that. I, I can't tell you how many times I beat uh, Ocarina of Time. So
1: Yeah, that's like the staple of Zelda. Everyone knows Ocarina of Time. Everyone, everyone who's ever had a gaming system has played Ocarina of Time. <sighs> so
0: amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. So anyway... Um, that's, yeah, that's that's great. I can't wait to see how this game looks, so I'm excited.
1: Uh, the last piece of game news is that, well, by the time you hear this, it'll already be out, but Civilization 6 is coming out, um, really excited for this because the last one, I think it was called Beyond Earth. It was such a disappointment to all fans. We've been like waiting for a new revamped version of Civilization. So I'm really excited to get to play it tomorrow. It's pretty much going to be my whole weekend. Is just getting a group of friends together and going crazy on this game. Um, It's quite pricey. (laughs) It's going to be like $70 if you're going to buy it. But... Hopefully it pays off and it's worth it because we've been waiting a long time for a new one of these. Have you ever played Civilization Five?
0: No, I played. I played a little bit of different Civilization games. I, I haven't really jumped in and really played one of those games full scale with start to finish and all that. But I liked it. I liked them in general. Just uh, I guess it never became a game that I had to play and you know went out of my way to purchase and and just sit and. De- vote some serious time towards
1: yeah it's it can be fun if you have like a group of friends you can make it a turn base and it's a lot of fun that way but yeah it's it's way funner when you have like friends doing
0: this right right
1: and uh for movie news we of course got the star wars rogue one trailer that was phenomenal
0: right did you watch it yeah i did and I've, i've got a little bit of a of a criticism for that trailer, um, I, I I think, it you know, the problem is, my biggest problem, and so I guess a little bit of a spoiler alert for people that haven't watched it, so if you don't want to know it, I would I would suggest skipping forward uh, maybe a minute 30 or seconds. 30 seconds or whatever. But anyway, my big problem with the trailer is that they gave away way too much plot information, uh, some really, really big plot information that we did not need to know because... It's uh, some serious, serious spoiler stuff that I think should have been preserved for the movie. And this goes to a larger discussion and a larger criticism about how, to a certain extent, I feel like movie trailers are are really ruining movies for people these days because way too much plot information is released. We've got now – most movies, big budget movies, have four – Sometimes five trailers released before the movie even comes out. And by the time the movie does come out, you've seen three quarters of the biggest dramatic moments in the trailers already. And I think for Rogue One, you know, the, th- the stuff with um, – uh, what's the main ca- the main character – What's her name? I don't know her I'm name. I'm sorry. I can't remember it off. Anyway, um, yeah, I know. Uh, I can't think of it right now. Pulling a blank. But anyway, the main character, the girl, uh, her father. Uh, we don't need to know anything about that. We didn't need to know more than stuff that. Well, put it this way. Other than showing that he is her father, we didn't need to know anything about his past. That's it. And we unfortunately were told, I think, too much. And so that's my criticism when it came to this trailer. I didn't need to know that, and I was disappointed that I did. So.
1: I kind of think, like, what they're telling us, like, I remember the Force First Awakens trailer, yeah, it looked like it showed us a ton, but at the same time when we watched it, it really hadn't shown us, like, very much at all, so I'm kind of hoping we, it's the same thing, where they're showing us, like, a ton of stuff, but we're also, it's not, like, even scratching the surface of what this movie's gonna be. Like, when I saw Mads Mikkelsen, I was like, God, I forgot he was even going to be in this. And the fact he's going to be like a main character, I'm so psyched.
0: Right. Well, I'm excited for it. I mean, it's look, it's going to be one of the movies I've got to watch this year, especially when it comes to December. So I'm really excited for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to be there probably opening night to watch it. But that being said, uh, I just I don't need to know that. I don't need to know that. That's a huge because to me, that's a huge spoiler. That's a huge Secret that could have been a huge surprise when you went to the movie theater and you're like, "What? Are you serious?" <laughs> and and when instead we got it in the trailer, and that's just not necessary. And yeah, maybe there's more to it, and and maybe there's a lot more that is going to surprise you know the pants office and the sock you know, the socks office, but it's not something that that needed to be put in this trailer. It could have surprised us in the movie theater, which is where all the surprises really should be coming, not in you know, but not being revealed in the trailers. I don't need an audible gasp in the trailer. I need an audible gasp when I'm sitting in the theater. Yeah,
1: yeah, I completely understand. Um, I hope it's just not as big as what's going to (laughs) come.
0: Right, hopefully. But anyway, looking forward to it. Otherwise, it was a really good trailer beyond that one little point. And uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait.
1: Yeah, and while we were... You know, going through Dracula and stuff on the IMd website, they have uploaded uh, a teaser trailer for Gardens of the Galaxy two. So I haven't been able to watch the teaser trailer yet, but for anyone who's interested, it's out there now and it's happening. So that's really exciting.
0: Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll try to give a little bit of uh, a quick analysis of that in our next podcast. So
1: yeah, we'll just touch base on yeah. it probably next one real quick. Okay,
0: um, is there anything else?
1: That's all the news I have so far. All
0: the news. All right. Uh, before we get into the spotlight real quick, uh, we again want to highlight this. we are on Patreon. So uh, this podcast is going to be on iTunes, right? So you're going to be able to get you know, the episodes. We're going to put them out every week as we, we always do with our other podcast episodes across our podcast. However, that being said, uh, if you look at Patreon, if you go there, if you go to patreon.com slash geeks. What you're going to find is that we have different levels of subscriptions and we give out different levels of content based on, of course, what you're, you're paying. Uh, but we have special episodes that you're not going to get otherwise, um, podcasts that you're either not going to get uh, at all or you're not going to get for some time. So, for instance, we have a Stranger Things podcast that we're already starting to record. And uh, while that will probably eventually land on iTunes at some point, that's also going to be something special that members are going to get. And if you're not a member, you're not going to get it either at all or for some time. We haven't yet decided exactly when and how that's going to happen. That's still a decision that we're kind of uh, working on. But uh, the thing is, we have Loot Crate uh, giveaways. Uh, We have... Uh, just all kinds of really awesome stuff. If you go to, uh, if you go to the website, if you go to Patreon, if you look at us, you'll be able to see what we offer and see if it's something that you feel is worth, you know, money and the t- and and the option uh, to get this really great things that we have planned for everybody. Because our thing is we want to get content out to you that you really enjoy, and if you really like it, we're going to create more. And so we're looking to really make this worth your while. So check out patreon.com, see what we have to offer. And, you know, if it's something you feel is, is worth it, then uh, hopefully you'll become a patron and uh, help us achieve some of our goals.
1: Yeah. And, you know, if you you know, like what we're offering or you don't like, you know, let us know, send in some feedback. You know, we're just this is our you know first episode. We're still trying to see like what works for us, getting our feet hitting the floor, you know, let us know. Give us feedback if we think we're doing good or if you like our setup, et cetera. Yep.
0: Okay, so uh, let's do the spotlight this <laughs> week. So the spotlight is going to be, I believe, a weekly thing where I'm going to just quickly highlight something, that I, a show that I've watched, uh, a book that I've read. Uh, at some point, maybe we'll do a more in-depth review of it, but I just want to kind of give – almost like a shout-out in a way to something that I've seen recently. So for this week in the spotlight, I'm going to quickly highlight Luke Cage on Netflix. All right. So if you have watched Daredevil, if you've watched Je- Jessica Jones, um, you're probably already, I, I would hope, knee-deep into Luke Cage if you haven't already finished it. However, that being said, if you haven't, I really encourage you to check out Luke Cage. One of the things that's really great about about Marvel series on Netflix is that each one has its own distinct flavor, right? So with Daredevil, you had one thing. With Jessica Jones, you had a kind of a hard detective feel to it. And with Luke Cage, you know, we're talking about somebody. We got, we got, we're in Harlem, right? So it has almost a, a 1970s vibe to it. The music, the soundtrack is phenomenal, right? It, the, the acting is amazing. The, there's some serious, serious money that's gone into this show. It's really, really good. It's, it's pretty well paced. Um, I have a few quibbles with it. But on the whole, it's one of the best series that Netflix has put out, to be quite honest with you. And stacking it up to the other Netflix shows, whether it's Jessica Jones, or, or Daredevil, right? I mean, it really stands up there pretty well if not above it i think i guess i would say would stand it stands above the second season of daredevil and it's probably right on par i believe with uh jessica jones season one and uh i think daredevil season one it's really really good night if you haven't seen it yet check it out it's it's excellent uh, mike quarter uh plays uh excellent luke cage and if you've seen jessica jones you should already know that uh but really good acting across the board some really great character stuff in here and uh yeah so that was just my shout out for for uh Luke Cage so that's my spotlight this week
1: Awesome I haven't seen it yet but I haven't seen Jessica Jones either it's on the list. Yeah. <laughs> and something you'll hear like every single episode, guys, is me probably adding a movie to my ever-growing list that I have not seen yet. <laughs> yes,
0: because she's been sheltered and I I have to continually <laughs> bug her to keep adding to this list. It's kind of like the the naughty list for Santa Claus, right? I mean, it's pretty long. The problem is, is it gets longer and longer as every week goes by because I keep telling her, what, you haven't seen that movie? It's a classic. How have you not seen that movie? And then there's, you know, another movie or another TV show that she has to, you know, go watch at some point.
1: Yeah, there's already movies listed in this episode that I just not going to tell you I have or haven't seen because I'm going to get scolded if I do. That's what I do. (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) All right. So, um I guess for for this episode we are I think pretty much done right I mean we have to give out the email and social and social media contacts right and that's that's pretty much it so
1: yeah so, um, do you want me to go through them right now sure go ahead all right so you can find us on www.freakinggeeks.com uh, you can email us at freakinggeeksmedia at freakinggeeksmedia@gmail.com we are on the Twitterverse at Freak Geeks Media. Uh, if you want to, you know, reach out to either one of us on our personal Twitters, that's fine. We you know we're happy to take time to, you know, talk and answer any questions, what have you. Um, mine is at Labyrinth Rose and Michael's is at Michael underscore Lanik. And we're gonna have a Facebook eventually but we don't currently yet have one.
0: Yeah, we'll probably try to get try to get that up in the in like the next week here. Um so we'll have that yeah. up and running. Uh, yeah. So I think that's that's it for this week. Um, oh. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. What's going to be
1: next oh. uh, episode's Right. Be-
0: so it, next week, we're going to be covering The Babadook. Right. So it is a, yes, a
1: movie I haven't no, seen. No,
0: I've seen. I saw it one time. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Right. So we're going to review that. It's a really good movie. I like it a lot. It has a lot of really, really wonderful things about it. I certainly enjoyed it when I saw it. So that's going to be our next uh, movie, this kind of like our Halloween, you know, month, I guess, uh, of movies here. Uh, I know know it's kind of like halfway through the month and we've just started the podcast. (laughs) So it's like, okay, like the half of October. Uh, But that being said, uh, that's our next movie, right? So, if you have any questions, right? If you have any feedback when it comes to uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, if you want to you know, did we get something wrong? Probably did somewhere. Um,
1: <laughs> it happens.
0: If we did, so, you know, got something wrong or if you have a viewpoint or if you have an opinion, if you want to uh, argue with something that, that we said, uh, by all means, send us in some feedback. Let us know what you think. If you have any opinions and any questions when it comes to the Babadook, send it in uh, because that's going to be great. That's going to allow us to have uh, feedback that we can throw out as we record the Duke. So if you have any questions, if you have any viewpoints, if you liked it, if you hated it, uh, whatever it is, you know, be sure to get a hold of us, send your emails to uh, the freaking geeks email. And uh, just in the subject, uh, let, let us know that you're addressing it to the freaking geeks podcast. And uh, we will check it out. We will read it. And if you send something in, whether it's a email or a voicemail, it will go on the next podcast. So, that's it
1: yes yeah i think that wraps it up for this week
0: all right well i guess uh we'll see you guys next time uh whether it's uh, a night or a day uh have a good day or night and uh we will see you next time geeks
1: yeah stay freaky
0: all right later